Welcome to Tulsa Bible Church's brand new podcast called Hidden God, where we explore issues of theology and culture in order to help build healthy, relevant churches right here in the Tulsa area and in the States. I'm joined by Daniel Newberry. He's my co-host. My name is Jared Verweel, and this is Hidden God. Well, welcome to the Hidden God podcast. My name is Daniel Newberry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jared Verweel. Jared, how are you doing? What's up, man? Good to good to see you on a Friday. Good to see you, too. Yeah, we usually aren't here on Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do date nights right now. Quarantine. I mean, what do you do? I don't know. What did people do before anything? What did cavemen do? You know, that's what you got to figure out for date nights. Well, uh, maybe it'd be a good idea for us to just go ahead and start by introducing ourselves so that everybody knows who we are and they can have a sense of, of who it is they're, they're listening to. So, Jared, why don't you start us off, man? Yeah, yeah. Named Jared Verweel and been senior pastor here at Tulsa Bible Church uh, going on two years now. And um, we, we were senior pastor at... Um, small church in Kansas near Wichita before we made our way to Tulsa Bible Church. Uh, did some college ministry before that. Graduated with a master's in theology from Dallas Seminary as a Hebrew major in the Old Testament, like the Old Testament, better than the new. I don't know what to make of that necessarily, <laughs> other than I've got some str- strange affinity for Hebrew. Man, it's it's weird. Just really weird. Well, that fits you, man. <laughs> Thanks. <That> fits you. <laughs> As I've gotten to know you, I can tell you that makes sense. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, man, what else can I tell you? Um, love the Lord, been a believer since college, Mississippi State. Uh, been married to my wife, Brandy, for going on 16 years now. And actually, she just had a birthday yesterday. So lots of fun there. We've got three kids. And, uh, just loving life, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's uh, what's your favorite kind of music to listen to? Oh boy, uh, a little bit of everything, actually. <laughs> kind of eclectic. I like a lot of the classics, you know, like classic rock. Okay. Um, Metallica has got to be one of my favorite all-time bands. Yes. Um, Very Christian band. Man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we used to used to play a lot of football. Got hit on the head a lot, and that kind of probably, um, you know, gave me my sense of musical. <laughs> likes and whatnot but but yeah that's awesome that's awesome okay well my name is daniel newberry um i have been the family ministries assistant here at tbc since january 20th so i'm kind of new to all this ministry stuff le- learning a lot from jared right now i'm a born and raised tulson and my wife rachel is born and raised new mexican so uh, her town that she comes from it, you wouldn't know it. It's really tiny, but she's traveled a little bit since she's graduated. She's one of the coolest people that I've ever met. If you were to put me next to Rachel, see, I was I was, I was born and raised Tulsa. I've never moved. Rachel, on the other hand, has traveled a lot, and she's done some very interesting things with her life. Um, if you were to put me next to her, it'd be like comparing a jar of great value smooth peanut butter and next to you like the peter pan extra crunchy peanut butter nice she's got a lot of variety to her <laughs> nice and she's just yeah so we she compliments me well <laughs> um and so i've been we've been married for about two years now going on two years now um i'm continuing my education at college pursuing a church and family ministries and music wise i'm along with you man classic rock I, my favorite though would be acdc 
Yes. Um, yeah. A little Thunderstruck. Yes. Back in black. One, man. Yeah. Man. Yeah, absolutely. How those guys have vocal cords today? <laughs> I don't know. It's beyond me. That guy, man, that that lead singer, man, that, it's just, and when you listen to Thunderstruck, he just sounds insane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he sounds crazy. Um, but then, I mean, also, I like John Denver and Neil Diamond, so mellow it out of it with those two. So nice. That's where I fall. But anyway, well, let's talk about what the uh, what the purpose of this podcast is, Jared. What? Why are we doing this? Uh, first, I'd like to talk about when are you and Rachel going to have some kids? Oh, <laughs> that'll be for a future podcast. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, not go there. <laughs> all right. Uh, maybe not this time. <laughs> Yeah, this this podcast is a lot of churches are doing podcasts now. Pastors, uh, staff members, even professors at at colleges and seminaries, and so uh, this is kind of falling in in line with those. We want to explore theology, and really, theology is it's on some hard hard times right now. On on one side of the extreme, theology is like the redheaded stepchild of of Christianity. It's mm-hmm. It's not important. People see it as an obtrusion into a real relationship with God. And of course, because we live in a postmodern generation, everybody's all about the experience. And, and we don't need doctrine to mess up the real experiential Christianity, right? This, is, this stuff is just leave it for the professionals instead. Um, on the other side, of course, you've got people that talk about doctrine and their way has got to be the way there's no discussion on anybody else's perspective. You know, we, we struggle to identify what hills we need to die on Mm. as a church and as theologians. And so there's, we need to um, have a platform to talk about these things in a way that is constructive, encouraging, and that would involve the community of faith. I've always heard theology is best done in community, right? And so we want to be a part of that discussion. And we see this podcast as simply another voice into the relevant issues that, that church ministry can, can speak into, you know, with, with truth and, and integrity and hopefully for changing lives. That's awesome. You know, and I, I like what you said about, you know, theology being the, the redheaded stepchild of Christianity today. People don't really care to talk about theology for all the reasons that you mentioned, you know. I think uh, I would throw onto that. When we think of some major theologians, we think of them as being hard-headed and heartless. You know, when we hear them talk about theology, it seems to be, this is the way it is, and that's the only thing that matters, Man. you know? Yeah. And so we, where is the heart behind all of that? And so as we discuss things, I mean, that's something I would love to, to dive into is, you know, we're talking about theology, but that's not just because we like to be right about things, but rather because we actually care about people, you know? Right. And so... Um, Right. Yeah, but I just I, I love that. I'm excited to do this podcast with you. Yeah, <laughs> talk yeah. about that stuff. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of good cries from church history mm. that talk about a healthy balance of of discussing theological issues. Uh, one of the podcasts I love to listen to is White Horse Inn. You know, Michael Horton, yes. great Reformed theologian, and he's and he's bringing this idea back from the Protestants, back from the Reformation time. When Luther and some of the great reformers, they were at the taverns having a beer and talking about deep theological issues. Uh, C.S. Lewis kind of continued in that vein with the inklings to some extent. And, and these are just great, great conversations to have. Hopefully they'll, 
deepen us in our faith, help us to know what we believe, why we believe it. Um, we want to, we want to have, what is the cry? It's, um, in the essentials, we want to be firm on the essentials of the faith, Hmm. but we want to show liberty in the non-essentials, you know, and, and have some room to agree to disagree Hmm. and still you and I can leave this table. We might not agree wholeheartedly on the ramifications eschatologically of, of Yom Kippur or whatever you want to say, but man, we can talk about it. Um, we can hopefully glean some insight from each other, learn from each other and deepen our friendship as well. It's exciting. It's exciting. So let's talk about then, I guess, for the sake of the listeners, <laughs> um, let's talk about the name, why we named the podcast what we did, Hidden God. It seems odd. We think of, we look back throughout scripture, do we see God hiding himself? You know, I mean, when God came into the the garden, it was man who was hiding. So why are we calling our con- our, our podcast Hidden God? Where is that coming from? Man, great question. And this is ex- exactly what we were hoping to do, kind of like a bait and switch yes. idea here. <laughs> uh, hidden God is actually, it's a phrase that is not original to us. It's um, more along the lines of Martin Luther, this great Augustinian monk, a lawyer turned monk who committed himself to ministry and, and revolutionized what we would consider as Protestant Christian theology for us today and through church history. And Luther was obsessed with God as he has revealed himself. And one of the passages that you think about with a hidden God is Isaiah 45, 15. And that says, Truly you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. Right, And so what Luther would say is there's this great paradox between a God who is hidden in some sense, um, and also revealed in another sense. So on the cross of Christ, for instance, um, a modern perspective is that, uh, non-Christian perspective, is that there's no way an all-powerful, almighty, in-control, sovereign God would reveal himself and be crucified on the cross. You know, why, why would an all-powerful God do that? And so to the, to the modern world, we see Jesus on the cross, and it doesn't look like God. It's like God is hidden. To the Christian, to the believer, that's where we see God revealed the clearest, mm-hmm. right? It's in Jesus and in the cross that we have the clearest representation of the revelation of who God is, his character, uh, his love for us, even his justice, his wrath as well. Yeah, and I think that uh, I think I think that's you're bringing up a great point there. Is that God has chosen to reveal Himself in this way? You know, we often pay attention when we're reading Scripture. The main idea is where does God talk? When is God talking? You know, if you don't see God talking a lot in the Old Testament, that's when people are messing up. You know, and I mean, you've pointed that out in some sermons before. And so when we're when we're reading through Scripture, where has God chosen to reveal Himself? That's really where we need to be paying attention. And so we as Christians are looking to the cross because that's how he's revealed himself. I think that we should keep in mind that in the Old Testament, he hadn't revealed himself through the cross yet, right? And so they would look to him in other places that he'd revealed himself. But ultimately, I think all of it was still pointing to the cross overall. 
And so even though he hadn't revealed himself through the cross yet, there was still promises that he would reveal himself through the cross, whether they knew that or not. And that's where his revelations were hidden. Yeah. Yeah. One of the great phrases of theology, what is in the Old Testament concealed (laughs) is in the New Testament revealed. Right. And so the promises that are in some kind of way concealed in the Old Testament, we see them clearly fulfilled and revealed through the person of Christ. And Dallas Seminary's statement of faith is just so good on this. They will say that no portion of Scripture is rightly or fully interpreted until it leads to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Mm. So whether you're reading Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament or one of the Gospels in the New Testament, we always want to see Jesus fulfilling the truths in those passages. So, so Christ is the center of our theology, and every other aspect, our pneumatology, bibliology, every other aspect of systematic theology is built around Christ at the center. Mm. And what's at the center of the life of Christ, the climax, of course, is the cross. You know, everything is leading up to the cross and to the resurrection. And so, so again, this, this hidden God where the world sees a, a suffering man, a good teacher, moral maybe a prophet, mm. um, what, what Scripture would say is that is where the love of God, the wrath of God, the justice of God, the grace of God is revealed the clearest. And, um, and I think Luther is spot on to say that the cross is the thing that reveals God the clearest in the Bible. And yet it's not the first place we look. Exactly. All the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> overlook it, yeah. Exactly. Man. Well, okay, so and then there are these five points that we're going we're gonna to get to here, and we're going to talk about these five points probably individually per episode, right? But we just kind of want to highlight them. And so, I, just, I mean, I kind of want to jump in with a question here, and this would kind of lead us into the first point of those five points. So the first of those five points is that the theology of the cross is a theology of revel- revelation, right? And we're talking about its contrast to speculation. So my question is, you know, Luther in his 19th thesis says, whoever speculates upon the created order of things about God does not deserve to be called a theologian. And then his 20th, he says, whoever looks at the revelation of Jesus on the cross, they deserve to be called a theologian. Right. And so, I mean, we're, we're talking about this contrast of revelation versus speculation. How do we, as theologians, handle Romans one twenty when he says his invisible attributes were made you know, seen through his creation. What do we do with that? Right, right. It gets a little confusing when you you think about the invisible things of God being revealed through nature. Uh, but Luther is going to come down, and he is he has said that there's a theologian of of the cross, and there's a theologian of glory, right? And God has chosen to reveal Himself. So the task of the theologian is to understand how. God has chosen to reveal himself and to speak truthfully into that revelation, understand it, you know, and, and be able to apply it to their life. Um, when you don't understand God as he has revealed himself through the cross, you're going to get an incomplete picture, right? And, and what a lot of people want to do is we love the, the great stories of Jesus calling the children to him right? Or calming the storms or feeding the 5,000. But 
the story of, of a God who hangs on a cross, we're kind of like, that's not, that's not the God we're comfortable with. You know, we, we tend to create um, our understanding of God from the things that we want the most, the things that we desire from God the mm-hmm. most. And if we look to where God hasn't revealed himself to understand God, we're not going to get as clear a picture. And essentially what we're going to do is end up creating a false God. These are going to be images that we create. We want a God who is comfortable, who's happy, it's exciting <laughs> all the time, right? We don't want a God that suffers, and we don't want a God that calls us to suffer for his glory because that would make us uncomfortable, and, and that would be difficult for us. So um, so in the terms of, uh, of God revealing himself through nature, yes, general revelation sh- says that we can look at the the world that God created, his creation, and we can know something of the invisible attributes. All of us know something of God. And so Paul says, if you don't know something of God's invisible attributes, you are suppressing the truth of God that is already in you. You know, everybody should be able to, to see this and look out, and therefore everybody is guilty of not knowing God. But the clearest, the most vivid picture of God will lead us to the cross, you know, and if we look to creation, God is faithful to bring us clearer and clearer pictures of who he is through Jesus, through the gospel. So the the speculation of creation about God through creation would be at best a complement to what we see about him through the revelation of the cross. Absolutely, absolutely, okay. and special revelation in, in his word, you know, that's, we, we want to understand who God is through his written word hmm. that he has given to us. And yeah, so the first part of uh, a theology of the cross or this hidden God idea is that a theology of the cross is a theology of revelation as opposed to a theology of, of speculation, hmm. of rational thinking. You know, here's what it makes sense that God would be like. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to us or not, you know. <laughs> This is how he's revealed himself. The second part here is uh, to the theology of cross is that this revelation is indirect and it's concealed. And this is actually the most difficult part of God's revelation, but it kind of goes back to the Heidelberg Disputation in 1518 with Luther when he came out with 28 theses. And here specifically he refers to a theologian of the cross versus a theologian of glory. And I think that's a, a really important distinction to make. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you, like you said, it's it's, it's indirect um, and concealed, whereas if you were to look through, you know, thinking about the mindset of the, the Jews at the time, they were looking for God, they were looking for the Messiah. Revelations in the past had been him parting the Red Sea. That's not indirect at all or <laughs> concealed. I mean, this is God for crying out loud. Right. You know, but now we've got him dying on the cross that's as concealed, as in indirect as it could be. You yeah. know, you you you're he's like, he's not making the point in saying. I mean, he's saying, "I am God, and I'm saving you from your sin," but it's not what anyone was expecting. I think part of the indirection and the concealment was what they were what they're what they were expecting in their own hearts. Right. You know, versus what he brought them. So this brings us to our third point, which is that he did suffer on the cross. And that third point is that revelation is recognized in the suffering and cross of Christ, how God has revealed himself through those things. Yeah, and, and specifically not in moral achievement, you know, where God isn't necessarily revealed as clearly through moral actions, mm-hmm. moral behavior. 
and it's not necessarily in human reason. Again, um, the rational thinking, what Luther was, the time that he was doing theology and he was ministering for the church and church history was a time of secularism and humanism was at its height. Uh, rational thinking was was a major concept, both culturally and philosophically. If you couldn't prove it rationally, you had reason to doubt that it ever happened, those kind of things. Um, but this is where Luther would say, like, through the cross of Christ, through Christ and him crucified, again, the revelation of God is clearly revealed, recognized through his suffering. Hmm. And that's, uh, that's, that's difficult for us, but it's also beautiful as well. It's a beautiful picture of, of the character of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then that brings us uh, to our fourth point, which is true knowledge of God is hidden, and therefore it's a matter of faith. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's that whole aspect of faith. The faith is what our everything we believe in is based on, our faith in him. You know, and, and he's hidden himself in this revelation, and we're having faith that he truly is the only way to God, the Father, that Jesus is the way to the Father. Right, right. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite theologians, Anselm of Canterbury, <laughs> came up with a definition for theology. He said, theology is faith-seeking understanding, and that's opposed to a very modern mindset that in order to know God, we need to understand him first. If you convince me enough, then I'll have faith. Right, so a lot of people want to say that Christianity theology is understanding, seeking faith. That's the exact opposite. Uh, theology starts with faith in Christ, how He has revealed Himself, then leads to more understanding. But that the faith is the starting point. It has to be the starting point. Hebrews eleven comes to mind. Um, even just being a partaker in the gospel, like the. The means of partaking in the truth of the gospel is by faith. That's how we enter this relationship with God, and it's, it's so very important. Um, there's some good stuff we can talk about. John 14 coming up really soon. Philip uh, will say to Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father, right? And where Philip is coming from is, is he wants to see the Red Sea parted, like he said. Mm. He wants to see the miracles. He's the, the Pharisees, give us a sign, that you really are the Son of God, right? And Jesus is saying, look, man, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And, and even take that a step further, if you see me crucified on a cross, you've seen the character of God. And it's just a, a really um, a crucial point of theology and crucial matter of faith that we have to believe that God was 100% man, 100% God, who is revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. You know, he was in fact God, and he's revealed himself on the cross as God. Uh, the last point, let's mention this real briefly, that God is particularly known through suffering. Uh, and I love this. What he Talk about um, God being specifically known through his suffering a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for example, I mean, I'm going through the book of Job, with some friends of mine, that's the classic example of suffering and how God reveals himself. You know, Job is already a, a huge believer in God, a follower of God. He's given his life to God. They, they make that clear in the first couple chapters of Job, of the book, and yet he goes through this major suffering, and he learns more about God as a result of it. 
um, anytime the Israelites lose focus of God, it's not until they go through some amount of suffering that they're brought back to God and they learn how amazing he is and how much he loves them, actually. Um, so everything that we know about God is made through suffering, and the cross is no exception of that. It's just, it's flipped. Who's doing the suffering now? God himself. Right, right. And there's some sense of uh, suffering for us is the way that we come to know Christ even, hmm. right? So Luther would say, before a man can truly know God, God must humble him and bring him to the point of absolute dependence on God, right? And a lot of, a lot of times, my story, for instance, when I trusted Christ, God really had to bring me to a point of humility and break my independence of everything that I was looking to for security, significance, identity, and truly just humble me through a lot of broken situations, uh, a lot of scars, and difficult life circumstances. And, and I think there's a sense in when we all, I can't remember the, uh, the quote from Corey Ten Boom, um, we never know that God is all we need until God is all we have, hmm. right? And, and at that moment, at the bottom of the barrel, at the bottom of the pit, when we, there's nowhere else to look except up, in humility, we start this thing called the Christian life, right? And, and we don't talk about faith and humility enough in the church, but humility is such a, an important aspect of what faith really is because it's, it brings us to a point of complete dependence on God, forsaking the rule of our own lives, you know, or we can no longer sit on the throne of our hearts. But we ask God to sit on the throne of our hearts instead in, in total humility. And there's something of a, a suffering aspect in coming to faith that's, that's just extremely important and gets to the heart of how we get into this thing called the Christian life in the first place. Man, and, and you know, talking about this just kind of brings me back to my original thought at the start of this podcast, which was that you know, we're talking about theology, but even our understanding of theology, it definitely influences the way we, we live our lives now. Our understanding of the suffering and the cross, like you said, it brings us to a point of humility, and humility is the basis in which we start our Christian lives, and that alone is a hard issue, you right. know? Right. So, and we're going to talk about these these five points individually in their own episodes that coming up, right? So next 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 episode, we're going to talk about the theology of the cross, uh, its revelation versus its speculation. Yep. I think this is a great place to leave this one. Yeah, yeah, just a good good summary. Let me just kind of um, read these off very quickly from my notes that I have here and and summarize them just one after the other. But a theology of the cross is a theology of revelation. Number one, number two, this revelation is indirect and concealed. Right? And this is where we get this phrase, theology of the cross, most clearly from Luther. Number three, revelation is recognized in the suffering and the cross of Christ. Number four, true knowledge of God is hidden, therefore a matter of faith. And then finally, number five, God is particularly known through suffering. Um, what's, uh, what's on tap this weekend, man? What you, what you going to do? Shoot, I don't even know, man. <laughs> I've been reading... Um this book called The Narnian, which is, uh, it's a biography about C.S. Lewis, actually. Duh, it's called nice. The Narnian. So uh, it's a biography about his life, and it's actually, it's talking about his imagination and his life. The author is very specifically focusing in on the imagination of, of Luther, I mean, of uh, Lewis. So nice. 
I'm interested in, I might finish that this, this, this weekend. That's what I'm planning on. Yeah. And maybe losing another game to Rachel at Monopoly. She's yeah. been whooping my butt, man. Man, you got to be a little bit more ruthless. <laughs> Work on your financial prowess. That's, that's something. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I land on it. Anyway, I could go into the details. It doesn't matter. I swear I have more of a life than this, but, you know, we're in quarantine. So Monopoly is all I've got right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's a, that's all right, man. That and Kirk Shoe. That's right. Over there. <laughs> We can get him involved a little bit as well. Yeah, maybe I'll text some some tips from him. So, what about you? What you got going on? Man, nothing much. Um, just put up a new flat screen at the house. In quarantine, you got to figure out stuff to do, man. Mm-hmm. Around, so why not watch more TV and rot my brain? Right. Absolutely. My kids love me right now for putting up the TV. I'm sure they do. Um, Brandy, maybe not so much. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we're we're trying to figure it out, trying to have fun along the way. And uh, hopefully this thing, honestly, hopefully it'll it'll pass pretty quickly and kind of get back to um, back to life as quote unquote normal. You know, just miss being around friends more often and and doing stuff that we typically just take for granted. So uh, hoping we can get back to that sometime soon. But in the meantime, it's been a lot of good time with the with the kids and throwing them around, wrestling them around a little bit, that fun stuff. Sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we'll catch you all next week. Thanks, man.